0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to be taking a look at the first four verses today. The writer of Hebrews, in this epistle, at the end of it, by his own statement, says that the reason he wrote this epistle is to have exhortation for the brethren, to encourage them, to, to give them the tools that they need to, to live the Christian life. But sprinkled in throughout this exhortation are a few or several warnings. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 is that first warning that he's going to give during this epistle. Uh, Normally, what we do is we go through each verse and uh, phrase and take a look at that. But because it's a warning, because I think it's important for us to see the whole context, I'm going to read the entire uh first four verses then i'll come back and comment on them uh, because i i think we i don't want to uh, have a sense that we don't get the whole of the warning and so starting with verse one it says for this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it for if the word spoken through the angels provided unalterable and every transgression and uh, and disobedience received a just penalty how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation after it was at the first spoken through the lord it was confirmed to us by those who heard god also testified with them both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the holy spirit according to his will and so the writer here of hebrews started out his epistle by talking about that God had spoken in various forms in different ways and and sometimes in in partial information, sometimes in more fuller, sometimes by direct communication, some by by dreams and and, uh, visions. Uh, But then it says in the last days, he spoke to us through his son, Jesus. And so he's kind of summing up everything that we looked at in the first chapter uh, for the reason that we must pay closer attention because as he will have said in that first chapter, Jesus is the son of God. So we're to pay closer attention for that reason. He is the heir of all things. He made the world. He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of God's nature. He upholds all things by the word of his power. He purified sins. He sat down at the right hand of God and he's better than the angels. And for these reasons, We must pay closer attention because it's God himself who is speaking, who is revealing himself to us. And he's saying, now is the time to really lock it in on your attention. All too often, we have very short attention spans. But the writer of Hebrews saying, now is the time to particularly listen And so we're to pay closer attention because Jesus is the one who's speaking. Jesus is the one who's done all things. And then he tells us so that we do not drift away from it. Unfortunately, in far too many churches today, and quite frankly, throughout much of church history, there tends to be this drifting away from the word. We want a new word, or we want someone to say, Well, science disagrees with the Bible. And so rather than defending the Bible and showing that the word of God is true, we retreat and say, well, science says whatever, even though science may change its mind next week, we then capitulate on the scriptures or because of cultural situations, we say, well, it's not no longer culturally relevant to, to have this doctrine. And so we surrender it and we just simply drift away from the word. Uh, there was a a group of people uh, who decided that they would look at the New Testament and decide what, if anything, Jesus said during the Gospels. And pretty much they eliminated most of what the Gospels said that Jesus said. And that's kind of when we drift away from the scriptures, there's no way to say, well, this is true and this isn't. The word of God is the word of God. You'll hear people say, God said it. I believe it, that settles it, that's wrong. God said it, that settles it, I believe it. And so even in difficult situations, when God's word says something, then we should defend it because it's true. And so we should pay a close attention to that and not drift away. Now I wanna kind of use as an example, both the church, if you will, and people individually. Let's say for instance, that you're, Floating down the Niagara River. Now I know for those of us who are on the west coast, that's kind of hard to picture because the Niagara River is on the east coast and the northeast, and we've not really seen it. So just kind of imagine a large river. And I'm going to stop and say, in case you haven't figured out during my uh, discussing the Niagara River, that it's a metaphor for your life. Okay, so the reason I'm giving this as a metaphor for your life. So let's assume that you are floating down the Niagara river and you're enjoying it and uh, it's peaceful and the current just taking you down and it's, it's just a lovely day. And okay. There's sometimes there's some um, rapids and it's a little exciting or a little scary, but then the rapids subside and then we go down further and just enjoying the journey. Then all of a sudden there's some people on the river side who start yelling, You need to come in, you need to come to the riverbank. And you go, but I'm enjoying the trip. And so you continue on down. And then some other people say, You need to come into the to the riverbank now. You need to come into the riverbank now. And you say, Well, you know, I'm just enjoying the trip. And and you continue floating down. And all of a sudden, the currents get stronger and stronger. And even if you wanted to go by the riverbank, the current is so strong, you can't go there. It's kind of like uh, riptides in the ocean. And so then there are those people who take lifelines and throw it out to you and say, catch it. And you're going, yeah, but, but I'm traveling really at a good pace now. I, I, I'm sure there'll be somebody who will cast me a lifeline later. And yeah, maybe there is another person who casts a lifeline and you don't take it. Then suddenly you hear the sound of roaring like thunder and it's getting louder and louder and louder. And then now the current is so swift, there is no way to extricate yourself and there's no way to get help because all those who had warned you are no longer there. Well, if you are aware of the Niagara River, it's going to dump into what we call the Niagara Falls a large massive falls that tens and hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. Every minute crashes down to the rocks below. And then you go over and crash and die. You see that person who floated down the river was negligent. They didn't heed the warning or they thought that they would have more time later to Heed that warning and become safe. But they neglected it. And that is what the writer here of Hebrews is warning us. Don't neglect this word that Jesus has spoken to us. Don't neglect it. Pay attention. Be very close attention to what he says. Verse 2 says... Or if the words spoken through the angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. Now, those of us who are somewhat familiar with the scriptures are kind of kind of taken aback by this. When it says uh, the words spoken through the angels proved unalterable. There is a sense in Jewish history about angels and teaching but also there is some scriptural references to the angels, and I'm, and I'm going to read a couple of those so that you get the sense of why the uh, writer of Hebrews is saying about the word given through angels proved unalterable. Verse uh, Deuteronomy 33, verse 2 says, He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. And he came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones at his right hand. And there was flashing lightning for them. So Moses is saying, when I received the law, there was a whole lot of angels there. You know, we kind of get the idea that when the law was given, it was just Moses and God. Apparently Moses says, no, there was a myriad of angels who who were there attending to God. Psalm 68, 17 says, The chariots of God made, I'm sorry, the chariots of God are myriads, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them at Sinai in holiness. And so the writer of Psalms in that song, he's saying, Yes, the angels were there with Moses at Mount Sinai. And then in Acts chapter 7, verse 53, when Stephen is mounting his defense of the gospel and discussing how the God's people, the Jews had constantly forsaken God and turned their backs and done whatever in verse 53 says, you who received the law as ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. And then the final verse that, uh, that I want to look at talking about angels is Galatians chapter three, verse 19, Paul saying, Why the law then it was added because of transgressions having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. And so these various writers, as well as the writer of Hebrews is saying that the law and many of the commands that God gave came through the mediation through the agency of angels God was the mediator, the one who was giving the law, but it was the angels, if you will, who was delivering the law. And he's saying, if that law is unalterable, how can you escape? Because it's not just angels speaking, it's Jesus speaking. And as the writer of Hebrews had just said in the, the, the verses beforehand, that Jesus is better than the angels and so just to, to remind you about the seriousness of the law and the penalty because as i said it was unalterable and and the penalty was just it says for adultery uh it was death you were stoned outside the the uh camp that was leviticus chapter 20 verse 10 those who blasphemes and those who curse god you were to be stoned to death that's Leviticus twenty four fourteen through sixteen, and then my favorite one in in this instance because um, for those of you who say, well, you know, God's really not serious about what God says. Okay, God made a one of the ten commandments that we are to keep the we are to honor the Sabbath to keep it holy, and He tells us in other places that the Sabbath is for rest, and that we are to keep it holy. So there was a man during the wilderness journey, and you'll find this in Numbers chapter 15, verses 30 through 36, who on the Sabbath decided to collect a bunch of wood. You would think, well, that's not a serious offense. He's just collecting wood. He's working. And the scripture says that you are to rest. You are to keep the Sabbath holy and collecting wood is not part of keeping the sabbath holy but the children of israel weren't quite sure what they should do with this guy so they said we'll ask god well god what should we do with this guy who is collecting wood on the sabbath now god is the one who sent jesus to forgive us of our sins but he keeps his commandments holy and serious and god's answer to them was they were to take him outside the camp and stone him. You see, the word of God was unalterable in those cases, and there was a just immediate penalty that was to be met. And so coming, so he's saying we are to pay close attention because Jesus told us. We're to pay close attention because there's a penalty if you don't. And if there was a penalty, if you ignored the scriptures what we call the old testament you're going to be in greater peril if you ignore what jesus teaches and commands us to do so there is we're to pay attention because who's speaking we're to pay attention because there's a penalty associated with ignoring it for neglecting it for abusing it And that's so unlike the churches today. Well, it's, it's okay if, if, you, you know, if you violate God's word because you know, he'll forgive you and, and whatever. The writer of Hebrews is saying, pay attention to God's word. Follow it, observe it, do it. So that you might not receive a penalty. In today's world, you don't do well on a test, you get an F and you go, oh, well, maybe I lose a scholarship or whatever. Not following the word of God has greater consequences. Verse 3a of Hebrews chapter two says this, and how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So first off, he's saying, how are we going to escape if we neglect this salvation? Now I want you to consider that there are various ways that people and, and various types of people who do not accept this great salvation. There are those like the Lord in his um, parable about the vineyard owner. In Jesus' parable about the vineyard owner, he, the vineyard owner would send his servants, as slaves, to those who were tending the vineyard. And they would abuse them and kill them and do various things and mock them. But they would never listen. And then the owner of the vineyard says, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son and they'll listen to him. But as the parable says, those who are working the vineyard said, oh, it's the son. If we kill him, the vineyard will be ours. And so they kill the son. They don't care what the truth is. They don't care what the consequences are they want to do what they want to do and they were willing to kill the son of the owner of the vineyard and in essence the religious leaders of the day of jesus didn't care that he was the messiah didn't care that he was the son of god they wanted to see him dead and out of the way they didn't even care about the truth when he rose from the dead and the soldiers reported back what had happened. They bribed them saying, tell them that the, the uh, disciples came and and stole his body and, and we'll make sure you don't get in trouble if anything comes back to you. They didn't care that Jesus, in fact, rose from the dead because they were so hardened of heart. And there are people like that today. They're so hardened of heart. It just doesn't matter what the truth is. And there are those who are just indifferent. You can believe what you believe, and I'll believe what I believe, or don't believe anything. You know, we all can just get along. It's just, it just fine. It makes no difference. All religions are the same. They're just indifferent to the word. And there are a lot of people like that. They just never consider, never look at the scriptures honestly. They just. It is what it is, and we're going to do what we're going to do. And, and uh, science tells me that we're, we came from a bunch of goop anyway, and so that's where I'll end up. And they're just indifferent. But there's a third group. The one I think that the writer here is trying to impress upon. Because let's be frank, you're not going to win the first group. You're probably wasting your time on the second group. But the third group are the ones who are negligent. By negligent, I mean they think, well, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And I believe that his teachings are good. I don't know what they are, but I believe that they're probably good. And someday I'll become a Christian. But just not right now. Because if I become a Christian now, I can't do what I want to do. And I can't have the life I want to have because I'm supposed to have Jesus as my Lord. And he may not want me to have the fun that I want to have. And so I'll just put it off. I can get saved at another time. And so they neglect the word of God. And those people are very much like the ones that I showed as my metaphor about floating down the river Niagara until you go careening over the falls. Except the problem with this part is you just simply don't die by going over the falls. By neglecting this great salvation, you end up with eternal death, not just temporary death. And so they're negligent. And so I encourage you, if you're one of those who thinks, well, you know, one day, I'll come to Jesus. And yeah, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I encourage you to stop procrastinating. Yeah, I know even my, one of my favorite saying is, I'm going to stop procrastinating. I just haven't got around to it. But when you consider the consequences of your procrastination when it comes to eternity, the wise thing to do is to not procrastinate. And it says, so that we might not neglect so great a salvation. this salvation that Jesus offers by his sacrifice and by his blood is that we are totally free from the consequences of our sin, that we have been saved by grace through faith, that we no longer have to offer sacrifices continually because the blood of Christ is sufficient for all sins, for all times. It is a great salvation. When you consider it, that our God sent his son to die for us. When so many other religions would have you send your sons to die for their God. So great. a salvation that not only are we saved and made alive and no longer slaves to sin and made alive because of his sacrifice. When we die, it's not over. He's come to give us life and to give it eternally. So this great salvation is not just that we no longer have the sin and shame that we bear in this life. We have eternal life. And then he's going to tell us that we will rule and reign with him, that we will always be with him in heaven, that we will dwell with God. So great a salvation. It's not just that your sins are forgiven. It's not just that you don't pay the penalty. It's not just, just, just. It's all of it. It's so great a salvation. It's not just saving your life, but giving you a new one and giving it to you eternally. And let's face it. It says, how shall we escape if we neglect that? Because let's face it. If God said, you got to die because you picked up a bunch of sticks on Saturday. What is he going to say to you that I offered my son as a sacrifice for you? That he bled on a cross. That he received mockings and beatings and floggings and a crown of thorns and all that he endured. And you say, eh, I don't need it. I don't care. I neglected it. If there was a penalty for violating the law, you can bet there is a substantial penalty, an eternal penalty for denying his sacrifice. Verse 3b, after it was at the first spoken through the Lord. So this salvation that we're in, Jesus talked. He's the one who said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is Jesus who said that I give you eternal life. It is Jesus who said, if you believe upon me, it is Jesus who made all of these things. It is Jesus who offered his sacrifice. It is Jesus who said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Jesus taught and Jesus's actions demonstrated that we need to pay attention because of what he taught and what he did. And then verse three C says, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard. So the old Testament scriptures say that every event, every fact would be verified by two or three witnesses. And so what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that Jesus spoke it. He's a witness. Those who heard him, Spoke it and confirmed it. This is what he said. This is the message you need to pay attention. So it was confirmed by those who heard it. And then there's a third confirmation. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. In essence, God himself testifies that Jesus's testimony is true, that the confirmation is true and that God verified it when he demonstrated the powers and the wonders and the signs and the miracles and the giving of the Holy Spirit to verify the word spoken. So if angels speak and that's unalterable, can you imagine how unalterable it is when Jesus speaks? Those who heard it, confirmed it. And then the father himself verifies it and confirms it. So the warning to the church, for those of us who are believers are to make sure that we don't drift away from the word because it is the word of God. It is unalterable. There may be times that the world may disagree, but you know, the world once said the earth was flat. Now it doesn't. So if you base your life on what the world says, it will change constantly. Men who a few hundreds of years ago, we considered great. Now we consider terrible. The world changes, but not the word of God. And for those of you who have been considering and know, and have even said to others, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. I believe he died on a cross, and I believe that he rose from the dead. I encourage you to no longer neglect, no longer procrastinate, no longer wait, but take that final step to confess that he is Lord and to live your life in accordance with what he has said. it's a warning it's a serious warning it's a warning to you and to me to believers and unbelievers alike may we pay heed to those warnings and all god's people said